My friends, spring is in the air, and this upcoming concert season will be all about the way you look and about your boots. And Tacovas is your stop for the best in Western style. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tacovas boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacovas has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacovas store, have a complimentary drink or two, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there is no in-store experience like this. If you cannot make it into the store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your next favorite pair of boots today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Nathan, I, I must confess, I've recently made a mistake. Repent, brother, repent! Well, um, okay, well, this is exactly what this episode of TFL Talking Trucks is all about, is how to best and safely match your pickup truck to the trailer you're towing, or vice versa. If you have a trailer, how to get a proper truck for it. Far too many times people buy a truck and, and they assume, okay, I can tow X amount, and then they overload the truck or they screw up with the payload, or even the device they're using to tow the truck with. There are so many issues that need to be covered, and even though we do cover all of them, we don't cover them all at the same time. Most importantly, we don't cover them while discussing a huge mistake one of us recently made, even though he is the head honcho of one of the largest online truck video channels out there. That'd be Andre. That would be me. So, yes. So, how about this? We can tell a few stories. Mm -hmm. I can tell you about my recent towing trip where I kind of made a boo-boo. Um, I can tell you also about uh, I was recently at the boat show, Denver boat show. Mm -hmm. And how does this relate to trucks? Well, you need a truck to bring a boat somewhere. Usually. Yeah. yeah. Because we're in Colorado. We're landlocked. Yeah. And we need to transport our boats from one lake to the next. So that's And he's a boat owner. And he, ever since I've known him, he's been a boat owner. Yeah. So that's why I went to the boat show. Because yes. I, I like that type of stuff. So, so yeah. So, uh, and also, we want to thank our Patreon supporters, you guys. Yes. And somebody, you know, somebody wrote us an email saying that we are mispronouncing when we say Patreons. Because mm. it's supposed to be patrons. But... So here's my answer. Here's okay, my answer. Go ahead. Yeah, I don't. So, um... so, so here's my take on okay, this. Please. Because <laughs> somebody wanted to correct us. Um, my take on this that there is a site called patreon.com slash TFL car, which is where you can support us 
with small donations, but also it's a great way for you to ask us questions, give us feedback. We have at least two questions we'll discuss today mm-hmm. on this episode. You about get direct it. answers from us. Direct answers and on the podcast as well. That's correct. It's wonderful. And we call you guys Patreons because it's just a word we kind of created out of the website's name. Yes. You are the patrons as well. Yes, you are the patrons. But we like to use Patreons. You know why? Because out of every single person at TFL, only half of us actually have English as a first language. Actually, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm pretty much right, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, so <laughs> I, I, yeah, English is not my first language. Yeah, so, so just blame it on that. Tell so the yeah, so, to so I, yeah, so I, th- I felt Patreon was proper. I'm going to say Patreonians. Oh, whoa. From here on, Patreonians. They, Deal with it, dude. Come on, you know my email. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Okay, there you what go. What a so, limp thing to complain so, about. So, but, but I, I really want to give a personal thanks to several people. Uh, Joe Richards, Bailey McCormick, Paul Rohr, and Scott Babbitt. I think I got those names. Yes, you Patreonians are awesome. Thank you so much. Yes. So thank you. And we have a couple of questions, one from Ernie Pearson and one from Scott Babbitt. All right. So uh, we'll discuss it as we move through this show. Okay. Yeah, when you see it fit. So uh, if you've been watching TFL Classics, you may have met uh, Brandon. Uh, he's the one of our new... Bre- did, they, did they say Bre- his name? Brandon. What did I say? Brandon. Is there an E versus an A? Yeah. It's, it's a, oh, Br- Brandon. Bren. 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 <laughs> this Bren. is great. Andre's having a rough day, guys. Please get, be patient with him. So, Brandon, I'm so sorry. Uh, he's a newer member of our team. He is actually newer, so we can get his name wrong right <laughs> sometimes. Sorry. So, and he's been on TFL Classics Channel. He's been doing an amazing job with Tommy. Yes. Uh, because they do really cool shows about affordable vehicles, older stuff that we all love. That's correct. And Tommy has finally overcome his biggest nemesis, puberty. Which, oh, yes. Let's keep going. It broke recently, right? Yes, he's a man. Um, so now, Brandon had an issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was coming home from Chicago. He was driving with his wife, and he was coming home in his GMC Yukon gigantic SUV. Yeah, it's a heavy-duty. Um, it's a 2003 model. Mm-hmm. And something went kablooey. His transfer case almost exploded. It started making awful noises, Right. and he had to pull over very immediately. He was in Nebraska okay. uh, on the way home to Colorado, and he had to leave it there, and he found a mechanic to kind of help out, you know, get it sorted. But it's been stranded there. And mechanic replaced the transfer case, but it was still not quite drivable. So he asked us and me to help him out. Mm-hmm. So what do I do? I ask him, well, how heavy is your vehicle? Because, mm-hmm. you know, we need to find a truck to tow it. Right. And he said 5,600 pounds. Now this is... What happens when you go onto Google or go onto the internet in general and you look up something and there's a simple number. We've done it too, without actually weighing the vehicle. So keep that in mind. Continue with your story. Yeah, so uh, we had a meeting. We usually have three uh, weekly meetings Mm -hmm. at TFL Studios where all of us, about 12 of us, get together. And we decide, you know, what to do, what videos to publish, and how to handle certain events and also... Jobs like this, you mm-hmm. know, helping out. So we decided to make a video out of this. That's correct. And we wanted to highlight mid-sized trucks because they're huge this year. Mm-hmm. Yes, they are. And so we said, oh, we have a Ranger. And we have a beautiful alum- aluminum trailer 
that is very lightweight. Yeah, so, and big enough to hold just about anything. Yeah. So why don't we combine them? Yeah. Why don't we take the Ranger, which is a pretty great road trip vehicle, hook up a light trailer to it, which can handle up to 8,000 pounds, mm -hmm. by the way, and put the Suburban on there and bring it home. Now, it's important to note that the Ranger is still one of the best towing vehicles in its class in terms of numbers. However... I've been dubious of the Ranger ever since a friend of ours bought one and really overloaded it dro and drove it cross country and said, oh, it's great. It's amazing. I kept saying, yeah, right. So I want you guys to keep that in mind as Andre continues. Yeah. And the friend's name is Dan. Atkinson. Oh, yeah. Dan. Trucker Dan. Yeah. Trucker Dan. And Dan, uh, we, you still have your Ranger. So, mm -hmm. so you, you'll be... I thought he crashed it or someone crashed into it. No, it was his wife's Pacifica oh, right. that was destroyed. Right. I'm so sorry about that. I'm sorry about that, too. Yeah. But anyways, so Dan brought uh, like a Mercedes cross-country with that trailer mm -hmm. and loaded it with a motorcycle and more stuff and his family. Right. And he said it, it was driving fine. So I said, well, if worked, it worked for Dan, you know, it may work for me. Right. So what's the towing capacity of the Ford Ranger? Uh, 7,500 pounds. Right. Which is near the top, like you said, of the class. Yeah, it, it, it still is, by the way, because, you know, at least for this year, same drivetrain, essentially same towing numbers. Yeah. Now, what was the total that we assumed, given what you were told, was going to be with the, uh, the, the Suburban and the uh, trailer? Yeah, I thought uh, just over 7,600 pounds. Okay, so, so we were going to overload it a little tiny bit. That was kind of and, the, po the point. Yeah, and we wanted to push the Ranger, and we wanted to see how far has the truck technology has gone. Right. Can it tow on a highway at least reasonably well? By the way, Nebraska is mostly flat. Yes. Uh, Eastern Colorado plains are mostly flat. Yes. So I knew that going in. So if, if, if Brandon said, Brandon, if he said... Let, let's go to Salt Lake, U, uh, Utah, mm -hmm. over four or five mountain passes. I would have said, no, Ranger would be no good. Just because, you know, mountain passes, especially in the wintertime, super dangerous, very curvy, up and down, right. and very, very tough. Yes, and I would agree with you 100%. Uh, but this is a flat thing. We've done this run before. Um, so essentially, it seemed like a logical thing to do at the time. But there's more. And if you're watching this, uh, there's an image behind us. Um, so we loaded it up. So we rescued, and by the way, there's a video about this mm -hmm. on TFL Truck Channel. So right. check it out, alltfl.com. Uh, we loaded up the big Bertha. You know, by the way, uh, when we were leaving Nebraska, this was near Grand Island, mm -hmm. Nebraska. There's very little out there. Uh, one of the guys at that shop said, are you guys sure? <laughs> Do you have enough power? And this is a key. They said, do you have enough power in that Ranger to tow the big Suburban home? But I, and I think that's almost like a common misconception, right? Because mm -hmm. people always focus on how do you get it moving? How do you power this? Do you have enough? Is this turbocharged engine in the Ranger enough? Mm -hmm. But what do they not ask? They don't ask about the frame, the capacity, any of that. They don't ask about brakes. Yeah. Ah, yes, you're right. Because uh, you can get anything moving. Sure. You and I can push a Suburban down I, the street. I can tow that with my Santa Cruz eventually. Uh, but can you stop it? That's no. the question. <laughs> can you stop it? Can you control it? No. Um, so those yeah. are the key points, and this is kind of what uh, we were trying to find out. Well, we waited. Mm -hmm. Down the road, we found a truck stop. So this yeah, is after you've been towing now for yeah, a little while. Yeah. Things are going good. Yeah. Things are good. I, I distributed the weight as best I could. Uh, 
I the suspension if you could you could see it in the in the picture. It's the riding pretty damn level. The suspension is actually relatively level. Uh, there's another shot of this uh, profile of the truck. And you could see there's a space between the rear tire and the rear fender is about equal to the, to front. the front. Yeah, it's 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 a good ride height for me. I mean, the one thing you obviously there's so many reasons why you want to keep it level, but just the general thing is also ride comfort and also the position of your headlights, not to mention braking and everything else. So you loaded this to where you're just over the center of the two axles to where the engine is ahead of it a little bit. So you are on the tongue a little bit more than perhaps you could be, but at the same time, I think you have a nice level ride. You've been doing this a lot. Yeah, so uh, I've been towing for about 19 years. Right. Um, and also doing this professionally for 10 years. Mm -hmm. So I've had some experience loading trailers. So I knew I needed about 10% tongue weight, right? Mm -hmm. right? So whatever the vehicle weighs, and I was eyeballing it, I'm like, I don't want too much tongue weight because I'll squat the heck out of the truck. Exactly. But I don't want to push the Suburban towards the back of the trailer because it'll unload the tongue it could be dangerously swaying. Exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah the, the, the tail could wag the dog. Yeah, and plus we have a smaller truck, so I did not want to wag the dog. Yes. In this case. Okay. Yes. So turned out I was my eye was perfect. Of course it was. On the on the scales, uh, we found out we had about eight um, eight hundred pounds of tongue weight. Wait a minute. If you have eight hundred pounds of tongue weight, that means that the we, we, we were over eight thousand pounds on the trailer. So, what? So, so, so combined, you mean? So combined with, with the, the trailer, trailer and, and, the, the, and, the, and, the, and the Yukon. The Yukon. Yeah, you were eight thousand pounds over. Uh, over, Actually, over. Yeah, 8, yeah, yeah, pounds. yeah. So uh, we were quite a bit over. Uh, oh man! And you'll you'll be able to watch the TFL truck video to find out exactly uh, what was happening. So uh, obviously. I got scared because I made a mistake. Yes. Uh, you know, I would, you know. But now you're committed. And we're committed. We're kind of mid-range for our trip. Uh -huh. And we're rescuing. You know, he's been sad. He's been missing his Yukon for the last two months. Well, now, personally speaking, I'd say, Brendan, sorry. Go hire someone else. But you, or, you were being you were being a nice guy. You were being a mensch. You were being a good guy and all this other stuff. And you decided to go and do this. And we're making a video at the same time. Yeah. So, you know, the, the show must go on. Yeah, so it must go on. And, and um, Brandon, of course, gave me an option. He's like, Andre, if you feel really, really unsafe, let's unload this. You know, let's, let's drop the trailer. You know, maybe I can limp the Yukon home. You know, it'll take me maybe a very long time to limp it back. Because mm -hmm. it still was about 150 to 200 miles to home. Okay, now, uh, let's, let's be fair. Brendan's a great guy. I uh, really like him. But can you imagine being Andre and hearing, you know, if, if you're feeling bad, I can maybe limp at home. It may take me a month, and it's freezing cold, dangerous temperatures out here, but I can do it on my own. You don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. Of course you're going to say, no, keep it on the trailer. Yeah, We're keep it, keep it on. on. <laughs> but uh, to give the ranger credit, mm -hmm. um, and I was discussing it, you know, with, with even, uh, you know, I was on the phone with Roman, too. Uh, first of all, the ride was not harsh mm -hmm. because if you're riding on bump stops, usually, you know, you start feeling every, everything every, jiggles through the cabin. Yeah. yeah. I would, we did not feel that. I think we were touching the bump stop, but I think the bump stop in the Ranger is actually kind of tall. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of progressive. Yeah. So and it, it certainly doesn't look like the things, you know, sagging I, or doing really struggling. I looked physically. underneath it. Yeah. And it felt like the, it looked like the bump stop was touching the axle, mm -hmm. but it wasn't like compressed. I got you. So. So the ride was comfortable, and Brandon can attest to that. He was with me, of course. Uh, and also, we had no trailer sway. Zero. 
We were moving at 70 miles an hour. And does the Ford Ranger have uh, a mitigation system for yes. sway? Yes. Okay. It has a tow haul mode. It has a trailer sway mitigation, which is kind of grabs rear brakes once right, in a while. Right, right. So if it detects any sway in the back, it actually can control the trailer a little bit yeah. and prevent it from going crazy. Yeah, so it has all that stuff. Um, and But the only thing it does not have is a brake controller, an integrated brake controller for the trailer. Yeah. So we were using our Prodigy RF system, which basically a box that attaches to the trailer. And then in the cab, you have a 12-volt powered handheld brake controller. So it's a wireless brake controller. Yeah. Yeah. And then it works automatically. Obviously, when you push the brake pedal on the truck, it sends a signal because it senses, the, you know, the light, the brake light coming on. What would you have the gain set at? It's a little bit, um, the Prodigy has like different scale because mm -hmm. normally it's zero to 10. Yeah. On this Prodigy RF, it's like zero to four. Oh. So we were, I adjusted the gain um, kind of in the mid range mm -hmm. and we tested it and it was grabbing pretty good. Yeah. So now I knew we were safer, obviously, for this trip <laughs> because, uh, like I said, that guy asked, do you have enough power? Um, they never asked, do you have enough brakes? Right. But now we did have brakes okay. because the trailer has really powerful brakes and the truck, of course, also has brakes. Okay. So moving forward, you now realize I am overladen. By the way, for those of you who want to yell and scream at Andre, he's fully admitting to his mistake and you... he's already been lambasted by several people, including his wife. But many of you out there, and this is the reason we're telling this story, including me, by the way, I'll tell a little story later. Many of you have overloaded your trucks severely and are still doing it. And are basically of the opinion of, mm, well, you know, it rides just fine. Why stop? So this is a cautionary tale because fortunately everybody was safe and everything else, but he realized his mistake and it's something he does not intend to repeat. You learn from your mistakes, right? So yeah. I wanted to throw that in there as well because I know there's some people who are already on the keyboard. How can you be the truck expert if you do this type of thing? He made a mistake. Yes. So I'm going to throw that out there. If you want to yell, yell at me. I can take it. Come on, bring it. And I did. And I would say, just to add to your point, yeah. I, I did make a mistake and I'm here uh, repenting. Mm -hmm. But I have also have a lot of experience behind the wheel with towing. Indeed so, you do. So if I truly did not feel safe, I would not have continued I on get this trip. You. Yeah. And I did feel safe. Uh, the weather was perfect. It was dry. The highways were completely free of snow and ice. Right. Uh, it was also cool. It was below 20 degrees Fahrenheit. So any overheating issues that we may have faced would have been mitigated uh, from that are mitigated yeah. by the very cold air that we were in. So we limped at home. And by limping, I said, uh, I mean, you know, we're going about 70 miles an hour to 65 miles an hour, which is less than yeah, the top 75, limit. 75, I think, is the limit. Yeah. yeah. So I did not, of course, I didn't want to drive the speed limit. We were a little bit less. But we were matching some of the semis that were on the highway. Right, gotcha. So um, in the end, we survived. Please don't do what I did. Yes. Please weigh things before you leave. He's not, absolutely right. Not after. Don't rely on the internet to give you information that you think is absolutely correct. We do it often, and we shouldn't. Yes. Um, and it, it, that goes for a lot of things, and we make mistakes because of that, frankly. Yeah. Um, and, and one more thing, yes. in my defense, the Suburban, this Yukon, I'm sorry, I call it a Suburban. Because I call it a Suburban yeah. as well, yeah. Anyway, this GMC Yukon 2003 model, we looked inside the door jam. It does not have a payload sticker. Because that's the first thing I did when we got to Nebraska. Right. I said, show me the um, show me the door jam. Yeah. And 
it only has the VIN plate with the gross vehicle weight rating, but no payload. So we couldn't calculate the weight right there. Right. So that's in my defense. Okay. So. And that's fair enough. Once again, you know, mistakes are made. And I think part of the reason why I wanted to put this in this broadcast is because we want to show you guys that we're human, that we make these mistakes, that we learn from these mistakes, and that many of you guys are in exactly the same boat. You know, you try not to screw up, but you do sometimes. The good news is we not only got a you know, a story out of this, but we got to look at what the Ford Ranger really can do in terms of towing because we did push it well past its limits. And from what I've heard from Andre and in the past from Dan, the trucker, who I did not believe when he said, hey, the thing drove great when he overloaded it. Well, Andre essentially is proof positive. I, I confirmed it, yeah. This thing tows great for a little truck. And by the way, Dan also has, he's a professional truck driver. Yes, so he, he also a, has a lot of experience. Yeah, he's, he's got the full, you so, know, same rating as you do. So if you don't have experience with pickups or uh, towing trailers, this is why, you know, of course, we have TFL Truck, and this is why we have this podcast. Right. Um, so I would say, and by the way, Aluma trailer was great also because it's a very tough but lightweight trailer. Without this trailer, let's say we used, uh, we're using steel. Yeah, we would have been way, uh, way, way, way over there. That would have pushed us another 1,000 or more pounds over. And the configuration on this trailer really is ideal for big vehicles like that. It, the way it's set up with the dual yeah. axle, how far it goes back. It's a really long trailer. It's a 24-foot deck uh, trailer, so it's wonderful. So. Uh, check out Aluma trailers. Uh, they're pretty great. Yes. Also expensive. Also expensive. Because they're great. Well, you, you get what you pay for. Yeah. Really. I mean, at the, at the end of it. So should we go to uh, one of your Patreon things? Yeah. Let's, let's, uh, let's answer Clay's question So because he submitted it here on Patreon. Okay. And then we'll, we'll take a tiny break. Yes. Um, and then we'll continue. Sounds good. So Clay says this. I'm considering buying a Chevy Silverado Trail Boss like you guys. So in 2020, TFL Studios owned the Trail Boss. It was a wonderful truck. Although it is about a year out before I take the plunge, uh, I've been a full-size guy for most of my life uh, and considering the Colorado because of the new engine. Mm. So he's thinking about the Silverado or Colorado. Mm -hmm. And the horsepower and torque seem okay. However, I'm concerned about relatively new motor and transmission. Have you heard of any issues? Of course, I will be watching you uh, in your experiences with your Colorado before I make my decision. First of all, Clay, th thank you for your support. Thank you, Clay. Thank you for the question, which is super valid. So, 2.7 liter turbocharged Chevy engine and an 8-speed automatic. Discuss. Okay, so... <laughs> We have no real information on the newest 2.7 liter four in the, cylinder in the Colorado. In the Colorado, no, no journalist has driven it yet. None of them, or if they have, we haven't heard about it. Um, so, unfortunately, we really can't get you anything other than what the or, the numbers are that you've already seen. And if you're looking at the Trail Boss, then I think you're looking at the mid-level turbocharged engine. Because there's the base and then the, yeah. the, the hot one. Yeah. Um, so the mid-level one is a lot of power. 310 already. I mean, yeah. yes. And that's essentially what you're going to be dealing with. Which yeah, is this the, is the truck I ordered, by the yeah. way, which has not been built yet. We thought it was it built. It was supposed to be built last week, and it's not built yet. What so. if it's the chip thing still? <laughs> so I'm talking to my dealer, but which is a great dealer, but... but They, can't they can anything. only do so much. All they can do is inform you. Yes. They, they can't make it go any faster. So... I want to add to this question, Clay, that the 2.7 has been in the Silverado and the Sierra trucks for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. We've tested it in a bigger truck. Uh, my first impression of that engine was that it's linear power, 
because it's a kind of a small displacement engine for a big truck, yes. right? Yes, I agree. But turbocharging works. It's quite good. Linear power. But the eight-speed has had some issues in the past. It has had some issues, but I did a little bit of research on yes. this. So the eight-speed has notably had issues with the V8 powertrains that it's been hooked to. I haven't found anything negative about the four-cylinder yet. Now, maybe you In have. the Silverado That's trucks. That's correct. Yeah. So, and, and there, I was looking it up for a different so, reason on a different pod thing. But Yeah. Then. And also, they have updated, and there's several versions of that transmission now. That is correct. So, in the Colorado, and that's why I'm buying it, actually, because I want to be one of the first people, um, actually, with that new powertrain, so I can kind of report my findings to right. you. And I'll be using it to tow my boat, to tow many different things, and to do all the testing that we do. So... So, unfortunately, we cannot tell you right now exactly what it's like. Uh, I'm a little bit cautious about the 8-speed, but they've said they've worked on it, and they have up improved it, updated it, so, so, so it should be good. So we will find out. But first, before we finish off this question, let's take a little break. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Okay, so... What we have for you is we know how that engine performs, at least the older version of it, in full-size trucks, and it was pretty impressive. By the way, not a ton of turbo lag, which I was expecting. It's mm -hmm. not a massive turbo that you would find in, let's say, older 80s and 90s cars and whatnot. So the amount of mass that it's spinning isn't that much, meaning that it doesn't take that long to spool up and get the power out there. Also, we live at high elevation, and that's a torture test on any engine. Up here, turbocharging is king, right? Or forced induction is king. Yeah. So it worked really well. I didn't have any problems when I tested one. It was a couple of years ago we had that one that we were playing with. Yeah, it was silver, remember? Yeah, it was silver a truck. Red one. No, no, it was a red one. And a red one. Yeah. Uh, maybe two. Yeah, I two of them. I think we probably had two. Yeah. Um, the one I, I took home and drove around and everything else, that was red. And it was great. I was really impressed to the point where I was thinking, this engine deserves to be in other vehicles. And back then, there was no announcement of it going anywhere. But we even assumed back then that it would show up in the uh, Colorado before long. And then GM did something really surprising to me. The, two years into that engine, or about a year and a half into that selling that engine, they've updated it. Completely. Yes. So they kind of... Um, did some internal work, did some work on the block. They said they uh, found some noises and vibrations in that design. Mm -hmm. They wanted to improve it, which felt kind of a quick update to me. It, it was surprising. What, what happened to the torque numbers? Went up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Went so up now the high output is 430 pound-feet of torque. Which is more than a Hemi, more than the 5.7 liter Hemi. Yeah. Insane. So, so the torque numbers are up. Um, they've, they've kind of checked on... I think they, you know, crossed every T and dotted all the I's now mm -hmm. on that engine. So I'm, I cannot wait to test it. Yes. So thank you, Clay. That was a great question. Yes. And once again, we'll we'll be able to circle back to that. Hopefully within the next six weeks to two months when he finally gets his truck. Uh, so <laughs> I hope it's not six months. I, 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 not or, six, or, or six weeks. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, yeah. We'll see. We should know a lot more really soon. Yeah. 
So do you want to go with your story? You had a little story. Which also included a Ford Ranger. But this was technically the second generation Ford Ranger with the 4-liter V6. Um, for those of you... Who, similar to the Mazda I have? Yeah, actually, it's very similar uh, to the Mazda you had with a okay, manual okay, transmission. Okay. What, what, and what's that tow rating on that thing? Non-existent. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's really bad. I don't know if it was rated. It, Actually, it was rated. It was rated. Yeah, it was rated. But the Mazda, I have a 94 Mazda mm. that we used in our uh, videos last year. Um, or a year before, mm. actually. And it doesn't have a hitch, the Mazda I have. Yes. So a lot of those trucks actually didn't come with hitches. You would have to add a hitch and maybe add some wiring. Ford and, did and... provide that, though. You could get that, I believe, dealership installed. Now, a friend of mine loaned me this Ford Ranger, technically a second generation. And the vehicle I overloaded completely. Now, this is before I was working with TFL. This was actually before I became an automotive journalist. So over 20 years ago... And I took this poor little truck and overloaded it both in the bed and towing-wise. I think I had about five or 6,000 pounds in the back. What did it look like? I have some pictures here uh, similar the, to the, it. The square headlight one with the slightly rounded front end. Oh, the square light. Yeah. So, so like this, but white. Yeah. Okay, so similar to this one. Yeah, that's a 94. It was, I think, a little later than that. I, I don't remember the year of it exactly, but that's basically it. Okay. And um, and it had the little extra cab okay. thing going on. Uh, manual transmission, five-speed. So, okay. Um, by the way, great driving little truck, but um, I overloaded it so bad that it was just absolutely on the bump stops, driving it from Denver towards California. Uh, about 100, less than 100 miles. How far is... Um, the um, the turn area for the um, for the lakes. How far is that from Denver? Would you say? Oh, for like Dillon? Yeah, that up area. there. It's Just like 80, 85 miles. Okay, so I think I was closer to ninety miles okay. or whatever out of Denver, and I had a blowout, and I wasn't able to get off the freeway, and the rear end started reacting horribly. This is after I over, just absolutely overdid it. And I get off the freeway, everything locked up. The vehicle almost caught on fire. It got so hot in the back. Whoa. Destroyed the rear axle, destroyed the rear right rear drum, the right rear tire, the right rear wheel. Um, I think I may have actually bent the frame. I'm not 100% sure. Could have caused a major accident. And it was all because my mentality was, screw it, it's a truck. It can take it. And I went way over its payload and way over its towing, both at the same time. And I was lucky to be alive. And I'm lucky that I didn't hurt anybody else. And that really got me. And that was when I started doing research. And ironically, one of the first people that I started seeing online was a guy named Kent Sunling. No way, Mr. Truck. <laughs> Mr. Truck. Yes. Yeah. Um, just start because I had to learn about this stuff. Because I... I my education was uh, driving flatbeds and school buses and wreckers and stuff like that. Having to tow something, never really did it very much. So I didn't understand. Oh, by the way, the trailer that I was using didn't have brakes. That was another problem. So I was destroying the poor little Ford's brakes. Horrible thing to do. By the way, on our Truck Nuts book. Truck Nuts book, yes. It's the last story in that book, which is my small contribution to that masterpiece that literary perfection that is by kent sunling and i had something to do with it and andre smirnoff so <laughs> a little marketing there there okay. you go yeah, yeah. Okay. i'm going to amazon right now because i want to see if the book is still <laughs> we were number one for a while um so my recommendation is to of course pay attention to what you're doing and what the vehicle's rated at and if you go over the rating, you can do something that will not only hurt you, but hurt someone near you. 
That really was my biggest issue. I kept thinking, God, I could have just killed somebody. The road, the way it's designed, it's almost like it wants to hurt you because it goes over a river and around a mountain and there's almost no place to pull off. I was lucky that I was near that pull off when mm -hmm. everything just went to hell. By the way, sparks were flying, smoke. It was bad. I was just fortunate because imagine on a road that's two lane with pretty much no shoulder, having a trailer flying back and forth, what would have happened had I not been able to get off that highway. So stupid luck on my behalf. And I'm here to tell you about it. And I'm here to preach and testify that you shouldn't do that. Don't do what I did. Exactly. Uh, Truck Nuts book is still available on Amazon.com. In Kindle form, it's $2.99. Yeah. So soft copy. Mm -hmm. uh, or you can get a paperback for $39.96. Is that right? Uh, that's what it says there. I, I think the price went up because it's kind of a limited edition. It's now a limited edition. <laughs> Makes a fine gift, by the way. I highly recommend it. No, anyways, we wrote it at the end of 2016, or published it at the end of 2016, so it's been a few years, actually. Yeah, like 20, well, it's 2023 now. Oh, my. my. It's been a while. Yes. Seven years? Yes. Wow. Time goes by. Anyway, so here's how I would recommend. By the way, you, you mentioned something super important. Tire blew out, yes. right? So it's not just the frame or the suspension or the hitch rating. Tire. Wheel and tire is also very, very Indeed important. Indeed they are. Uh, because let's say it had a used tire or an old tire mm -hmm. uh, and you didn't know about this. You know, that's also a big problem. Yes, it is. Yeah, so so that's super important. Anyways, so if you're buying a truck, so we recently did the video, kind of a buyer's guide, on three different segments uh, of truck. The comp 40 grand. Compact, midsize, and full size. Um, and they all tow very different amounts. Mm -hmm. um, so here's kind of a rule, rule, rule of thumb. Look up the towing number, and you can do this in several different ways. For example, Ford, Ram, and GM offer online guides mm -hmm. for all their different configurations. Right. Uh, companies like Hyundai, Honda, and others um, also have guides or when you're buying the truck, actually, it's a little bit simpler because there's fewer options, right? There's really only two configurations for towing that will get you either 5,000 pounds yeah. or 3,500 pounds. If you're like a Toyota Tundra or Ford or GM or Ram, uh, you can have you know, dozens of configurations, yeah. you know, different rear axles. Um, so it's a little bit more complex. Right. Um, so pay attention to that because I also had a question. Remember last year on the podcast, uh, one of our viewers bought a Ram 1500 yeah, with a, like a 321 rear end. Yes. And they thought they could they, tow 12,000 pounds. Right. And no, no. That was a big difference in that. Yeah, you'd want, what, like a 410 or no, no. You, well, in, the, in that truck, it's like a 392. 392. Uh, with a V8 Hemi. And mm -hmm. that's, that's what you get, gets you the higher towing rate. Right, right. Yeah. So you have to really kind of pay attention to those things. And then take that number and make sure whatever you're towing is probably 10% under that number. That's exactly 20 what under. Mr. Truck told me that early on when he and I started, well, we, we all started working together. And I was curious because I, I was really ignorant. And I said, listen, how can I simply judge this? I don't want to go through hoops. How do I quickly do it? Because just keep everything 10% under what your maxes are and then you should be okay. And it was just a really casual way of looking at it. And I thought, yeah, that makes total sense. And ever since then, I've been doing that unless it's a TFL video where we're trying to max something out. Yeah, and uh, we do a lot of it because the iGauntlet, one of our main tests, yeah. is the world's toughest towing test. It is indeed. And that's for a reason, where we push trucks near their limits. Um, and, you know, 
So yeah, so 10%. So this is kind of where my boat story, my boat show story comes out. Ah, please, go ahead. Because I have a 2004 Taiga ski boat. Which right? is a fine-looking machine. Yeah, and you've, you've been on it, Twice. right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that boat weighs, I, I know exactly what it weighs because we've weighed it several times at TFL because mm -hmm. we used it for some testing. It's about 5,800 pounds. Is that with the trailer? Yes. Okay. And with a, with a few things inside of it, like skis and... You know, ski jackets and fuel inside and, the little and, boat and motor. You got a V8 in there, right? It's not little. It's 5.7 liter Dude, a big Chevy 350. Okay. Uh, and wow. Has, and Someone's being a little. Sorry. And and it has a 42 <laughs> gallon fuel tank. Okay. 42 gallons of fuel is can be quite heavy. Yes, quite it's heavy. Like 300 pounds. And I'm going to go to that point later on. But you go ahead, keep going on. So, the boat so yeah, so. So I, that's the boat I have, mm -hmm. and that's, you've, you may have seen it on our channel, actually. So I know exactly what it weighs. Mm -hmm. uh, we've weighed it before with the trailer and everything else. Um, so I walk through the, um, walking through the boat show, and of course, these are high-end boats, right? Yeah. Really nice things. And I stopped by the Nautique uh, booth. Okay. Nautique is another ski boat company. All right. And, oh, they have such nice boats. And I, I said, you know, this, this Paragon... 25, you know, your biggest, your most expensive, your nicest, the most advanced boat you have. Mm -hmm. How much does it weigh? And they're like, oh, you know, by itself, it's about 8,300 pounds. Mm -mm. I'm like, what about the trailer? Well, the trailer is a triple axle trailer, <laughs> and it weighs another so-and-so. And so by the time you get the boat in the trailer, you'll a little bit over 10,000 pounds. But then you'll load it with toys, right? Yeah. You know. Surfboards, wakeboards, skis. Coolers full of libations. Uh, yes, different things. Yeah. Uh, it could be 11,000 pounds or, or 12. Rot row. Yes. That's not good. So when I think, you know, I, I'm buying a Chevy Colorado to tow my ski boat, mm -hmm. there's no way I can tow one of those nice boats. No. Or the, the new ones. So No. And it's an interesting thing because a lot of people out there um, – when they're towing, let's say, a regular trailer, a box trailer, something like that, towing a boat is a very different sensation. And it's a, it, the drag is different because it's a much more aerodynamic component that you're towing. However, it's also a very different physics because you're dealing with something that's sitting in a cradle on top of two, well, one axle or two axles. And in Andre's case, his former trailer had surge brakes, mm -hmm. and then he updated it to electric brakes. Right. And... For those of you who don't know what a surge brake is, it's actually a really simple thing where, and it's mostly on boat trailers. I don't know too many travel trailers that have this, where the hitch itself, or right by the hitch, actually deals with the compression and then applies brakes when it deals with that compression. So if you're slowing down in your truck, then it pushes a little bit, and that push where it feels that one section actually goes to the rear brakes. I guess the simplest way I can It's a hydraulic it. system. It's a simple with, hydraulic with system. With a piston, exactly. Right. exactly. But it doesn't do anything special. It doesn't divvy the brakes around. There's no ABS or anything like that. No. No, it's just a very simple way of slowing down your trailer. And he updated it to electric brakes. Yeah, because I was towing in the mountains a lot, going to Lake Powell, right. over the Rocky Mountains. And when you're going down a steep uh, highway um, grade, you are you're kind of actuating that pressure because the boat is pushing on the truck. That's one of the worst parts about surge brakes is the and, fact that and it activates they're continuously them. being applied so you could burn them out. Exactly. Yeah. Which in the past we've nearly lit them on fire. Remember that? That, that has happened. Yes. yes. So we it's so, something to keep in mind. So yeah, so and by the way, surge brakes I used on boats a lot because 
if it was electric and you're putting the trailer into the water to mm -hmm. launch the boat, electricity and water don't usually mix. That's what I hear. Very, very, very well. So even though I upgraded my boat trailer to electric brakes, I always, always, you know, when you're at that launch ramp and you're doing the inspection uh, with the, you know, park service or whatever, right. I always unplug my trailer from the, the wiring. So then you're solely reliant on your uh, truck's brakes. Just for that launch ramp. Just for the launch ramp. Um, which works great, and there, there's no problems with electric actuation on the brake. Important point here, folks. So anyway, so, but the point I'm trying to make, if you're buying that nice boat, and you think, oh, you know, my, my Tacoma can pull it or whatever. <laughs> no, uh, the boats are getting heavier. Actually, campers are getting heavier. Yes, they are, and we're gonna. I'm gonna talk about that. Actually, you want to talk about that right now, real sure, quick? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Because I recently went to an RV show, and uh, took my lovely wife there because I wanted to show her that there were a couple little tiny trailers, teardrops, and whatnot that I can tow with the little Santa Cruz. And we were walking around, and I talked to this one guy. His first name, and I'm just gonna say his first name was Jackson. Okay. Not okay. Gonna say his last name, but I hope he's listening or watching because I'm gonna humiliate him. Oh. Because. The, the, tra the trailer he was talking about weighed, I think, about 2,600 pounds. Now, my little tiny pickup can tow up to 3,500. That's already at a point where I'm like, eh, it might be a little too heavy. And I think I said that out loud. And he's like, oh, well, that you know shouldn't be a problem. And I said, dude, that's completely dry, the weight that you're talking about. This is before we put stuff in there. Oh, well, the stuff doesn't weigh that much. It no, has no, a water no. tank in it that holds 10 gallons. That 10-gallon water tank's going to, you know... Already 80 pounds. Exactly. And then no on more. top of that, my wife, when we go out for, God, a weekend thing, she packs enough for three weeks. Imagine what she's going to do with the trailer. And I've had trailers before, and she's overpacked them. I know for a fact that it's going to be overweight. And the dude kept trying to play it down. Oh, no, it won't be that much weight. You could totally handle that. And the worst part of the whole conversation was the fact that he was not aware of what the tongue weight of, the, of that trailer was right off the bat. And I, you know, usually if you take 10% of the, the weight, you could pretty much figure it out. But he didn't know off the top of his head and he didn't know that calculation. And it's like, yeah, you're a salesman. And he you just, should be just keep walking. Yeah, yeah. And he just had a brochure and he was reading off the brochure. And if they have to refer to a brochure, that might be a good indication that the person you're talking to doesn't know jack about the vehicle that they're trying to sell. So anyway... But, that, but I had the same issue. And there's so many people out there, unscrupulous salespeople, who are going to fudge over the fact that you're going to overload your vehicle most positively if you're really close to the weight right when you buy it. So you got to keep in mind what you're adding to it later on. Totally. And, um, and in reality, I would recommend going to a truck stop. Mm -hmm. um, also, a, a lot of kind of farm places um, have, or actually there's a yogurt factory <laughs> Near Fort Collins, okay, that has a scale. I didn't know that because, but uh, by David's place. Oh, okay. Uh, because uh, different commercial applications have truck scales mm -hmm. because they need to know exactly how much goods they're moving. Well, yeah, for for right? legal reasons. Well, for legal reasons and also for money. Yes, because they're getting paid to haul that weight. That's correct. Um, so uh, sometimes you can sneak in at the farm yard mm -hmm. onto a scale or a gravel yard. Sometimes, and if you're nice. It's like, can I just stop by here and weigh my trailer? Because I need to know, you know, I'm traveling. Uh, There's or, also a lot of truck stops that have scales. Or you can pay $13 like I did at a, at a cat scale and, and actually weigh it right there. It's a real shame you couldn't do it right when you were taking off. But there's also a bottom line to that. There wasn't one available. Yeah. yeah. So, But you can always do that because, like you said, if you're overpacking or adding 
I don't know, bringing your lead suitcase full of lead for some reason. Well, you're married too, uh, you understand. So um, then things can change. Exactly. So keep that in mind. And also not everybody has your best interest in mind when it comes to actually towing and what the vehicle they're selling to you might actually weigh. Because they're motivated by the commission and that's They not just good. want the money. They want the that's greenbacks. They don't care and, about anything else. Yeah. And that's not safe. But you know what I care about? What? I care about commercial breaks and we're about to take one and we'll be right back. All right, so <laughs> sorry about that segue. We're still getting used to this, so yeah, we're, we're and, working on it. Yeah, thanks. We're, we're trying to you know, improve our, and launch our podcast into the next stratosphere. Yes. And with your help. Uh, and part of it is, you know, Patreon is a huge help, mm-hmm. but also, you know, we're trying to make a living. We have to pay the bills, unfortunately, or else I can't buy that overweight trailer for my tiny little pickup. <laughs> How am I going to do that? <laughs> it's the, okay. By the way, I still haven't done it yet. It's going to be a while. So before we move on to another little story, uh, how about we take Ernie's question here? Yes. Ernie is our Patreon who sent us an interesting question. Andre, go for it. Yes. So Ernie says this. I have a 2010 F-150 with around 130,000 miles and a 5.4 liter V8. We are mm. we know that engine. Yes, we do. I mean, I've never owned that engine, but Didn't we, we have it on one of our... I think our F-150 we purchased for one of our series had a 4.6. That was the one that uh, uh, Roman was driving. Yes, the stinky one. Stinky. Remember? Yeah, well, yeah. he said it was, he made it stinkier. No, no, no but, <laughs> but the 5.4, I mean, if you already have 130,000 miles, I, pe- I think that engine is probably quite quite good. Mm-hmm. Um, that it hasn't, you know, if it hasn't had a spark plug, uh, spark plug failure already and such. Anyways, I, I would like to... Uh, do some light overlanding trips in the near future. So I'm on the fence. If it's worth putting some upgrades into my current F-150, which is once again a 2010, mm-hmm. or getting something newer and likely more reliable. Um, so he also says, my truck sucks uh, gas and pretty lousy on gas mileage. And it also is a little bit weak on horsepower. Any suggestions would be great. Okay. Now, he's pointed out a lot of negatives, meaning that Ernie, you're already thinking about getting rid of it, and I think you're trying to have us talk you off the uh, fence, um, so to speak. <laughs> or maybe talk you into buying a new truck. Right, which we could do. Um, let's quickly look at the positives and negatives. First of all, you have no payments, most likely, on this old Ford, and a paid-for truck is the best truck in the world because then all your money is going into upgrades and everything else. Yes, it's probably – you've had it for a while. hmm so that's also, you know this truck. You know the truck well. Yeah. Now, you, you know it sucks a lot of gas, but there are ways around some of that. So your range is limited. However, I know for a fact there are companies out there that can help you extend your range based on larger tanks or a secondary tank. Lots of things you can do there. That's one of the many questions you have to answer. Also, is this truck built the way you want it to be built for an overlander, meaning is it a long bed? If it's a long bed, then, you know, if you're taking it off-road, then you may have some issues with your um, uh, your approach, your departure, and, of course, your breakover angle. There's a lot of questions you need yeah. to answer that you didn't really throw out here. But what you did throw out here, which really sounds like you're seriously thinking about it, is you don't think it's very reliable anymore because you even said it, basically. Or something more reliable, like Ernie's saying. Yeah. Uh, so here's another positive. Um, well, first of all, you didn't even mention four-wheel drive. Let's assume it's four-wheel drive. It, if you're going to go overlanding, it would be a good yes. idea. So 
if the bones of your truck are good, meaning the frame is pretty solid, mm -hmm. it doesn't have a lot of frame rust, no leaks, maybe maybe some surface rust. Mm -hmm. uh, if your springs are good, maybe the shocks need to be replaced. Right, that's possible. If you have good bones and the body of your truck is rough, which it may be because he said his rockers are having some issues, that's okay. You could bash it into a I don't know a, a bush or a rock, and you 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 know you're not sweating it too much. If you bought a brand new truck for 50k or more or more, uh, and and then you you know put that first scratch on it, that would hurt a lot. So so you have an older truck, it can be a little bit more bashable. Exactly. I mean, it wouldn't. It, and in fact, that gives you an opportunity to be a little bit more playful with it. Instead of sweating every single time you go over an obstacle, you can have a little bit more fun. Do it my way, which is momentum and a little bit of power. It makes everybody happy. So think about that. That's the positive. Obviously, there's lots of negatives. I usually recommend uh, right off the bat, if anybody is serious, serious about overlanding, not camping, which is what people think overlanding is, but really getting away, getting to a place where there's no facilities nearby and you are technically stranded, if you break down, then you need something reliable, preferably a diesel. That's the first thing because range. And you can go a lot further using a diesel truck. Although, if you're going to be serious about that, his old old Ford F-150 hybrid had really good range as well. Yeah, because, you know, especially at slower speeds, mm -hmm. you could extend, it had a, like a 30.6 gallon tank mm -hmm. and like over 600 miles of range. Yeah, exactly. In, in theory. So, in theory, in theory. Yeah. Of course, if you give it a small lift, if you give it a larger tire, which you which might be exactly thinking about. exactly what he did. Your range will go down because you, those things are heavier. Drag. The drag of aerodynamics mm -hmm. is greater. Um, so... So you have to think about all those things. So Ernie, it sounds like he kind of wants a new truck, but you know, maybe not a brand new. Yeah, I think he wants to replace this one. And maybe he just slightly to... use so, something, something So to make else. you feel better, and thank you for being a Patreon, go right ahead and find a different truck to replace it. However, Ernie, if money's a little tight, look at your truck in a different way. Maybe, I don't know, walk away from it for a couple days and then get back to it and just think, hmm, you know, there are a couple things I could really do with this truck, especially if you paid it off. So I'm kind of leaning towards keeping the truck and making it a bashable, fun overlander, as you sort of stated. But the other side of it is if it's a daily driver that you also need that perhaps is more efficient, yeah, you should look somewhere else. And also, if you're keeping it, uh, do all the services to it, you know, mm, before yeah. you leave. Uh, transmission flush, maybe Absolutely. brake flush. Radiator flush. Radiator flush. Mm. Uh, it sounds like a lot of stuff, but you can go to a, a local little shop, Grease Monkey or what have you. Yeah. Go, go to a uh, local shop. Okay. <laughs> you, you don't like Grease Monkey. No, anyway, uh, but go to a shop. You know, they can do it pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. They do a lot of Fords. Um, it's the most popular truck. Yeah. Um, so... Get all those, maybe fresh tires, so you're not worried about tires. Correct. Uh, and then keep going. Yeah. Um, and if you have more questions, Ernie, uh, or if you have more details about or your details, truck. Or details, let us know. Let us know. Yeah. That uh, we, we can communicate via Patreon right here. Precise and Um So, yeah. So, so yeah. So, there's another question we always get. Should I buy a heavy-duty truck or a half-ton truck, mm. a full-size truck? I'm towing X, Y, Z. You know, which way should I go? Um, and there's, we talked about overloading, but there's also also underloading. Mm -hmm. You know, you can buy a giant F-350 or a Ram 3500 and then tow a teeny 
little trailer with it. Uh, or, or, or put something in the bed that absolutely doesn't make a dent that won't hurt it. Yeah, like a little, I don't know, a rack with a tent on top of it. So right. is this one of the questions from Patreon? No, it's a question I'm kind of coalescing from all the emails we've got uh, right, over, right, over right, right, the right. decade of this. So first of all, a heavy-duty truck like a 2500 or a 3500, there's a big difference. First of all, it costs a little bit more. Yes. Uh, to to begin with, we're not. I'm not even talking about the premium for the big diesel. Right. Right. But it costs more. Why? It has a heavier frame. It has bigger axles. All the components are actually supersized if you actually look at them. Yeah. Um, and that's for a reason because it's higher payload ratings, higher towing ratings. All those ratings require bigger components. So in the end, it's just tougher. It is. However, there's another thing to consider. Once you go to that point and make something so extreme and heavy duty, then it no longer drives around your city streets and your regular you know, market and everything else that you might do on a daily basis as easily as a half-ton truck. Half-ton trucks still drive much closer to cars than heavy-duty trucks. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with a heavy-duty truck, but you have to keep in mind that you're now slightly limited when it comes to things like weight, maneuverability, and its overall size. They tend to be a lot higher and in many cases, they tend to be a lot heavier. Yeah. And those can actually be issues for certain people who live in certain places. And a lot less efficient, too. Oh, boy, yeah. Yeah, and that's when you would say, oh, I would get a diesel one. You know, oh. why, why not get a Power Stroke, a Duramax, yeah, a yeah, Cummins? Yeah. Why not? Well, now you're opening your wallet, you're adding 10 grand exactly. on top of that truck already or more. Mm -hmm. And then the maintenance can be actually more because there's fuel filters, there's expensive oil you yeah. have to change. DEF, yep. but that you're refilling constantly. Not so, constantly, but, but, but once still, a year you have or to more. do it. And, and so suddenly, you know, there, there's different, you have to look at the, the way the matrix works for you. All right. So, what are you really towing? How often are you actually towing it? How far do you need to tow it? Those are things you need to answer right away. Do you want something that just looks badass and cool, or do you seriously need something that's that badass and heavy duty? You know, there, there are so many questions you have to answer. In many cases, Andre and I have experienced people buying heavy-duty trucks who never need that much performance, and they would get by just fine using a half-ton truck. And in many cases, those half-ton trucks still have crazy capacity and usually will do the trick. So, yeah, it's a real question about your wallet and your, what you're doing on a daily basis. Yeah, and there's no question that, you know, 2500 or an F-250 or a 3500 truck is way more capable yes. you know the payload basically doubles or more of course you have to pay attention to a lot of factors but still you get a lot more payload so you could carry that um, slide in camper in the bed in the bed or tow a gigantic trailer too uh, a lot of people want to tow a fifth wheel for example right um, you have to be also kind of careful so if your trailer is giant you know they have now 40 foot long 45 foot long trailers you probably need a dually yes if you're going that far or at the very least, a long bed. People have been doing short beds and having some serious problems with maneuverability. Cr crunching, crunching. Crunching cabs. Yeah, which is uh, something that is a real issue. Yeah, because when you make a tight turn, you know, that big fifth-wheel trailer can come in contact with your cab. Yeah, um, the damage you, is out there. You can actually see it on several cabs. And the dually, why a dually? Because when you have a very tall, you know, 13-foot-high fifth-wheel camping trailer, which is also very long, it's a billboard you're mm -hmm. towing. And the wind will push it around. Semi-trucks passing, you will push it around. Right. So you need that chassis and stability of a dually to help you. 
Which have so, been carefully engineered to hold everything together. Of course, then you got guys who like to make those dualies like <laughs> eight inches wider. And then suddenly they're wondering why it doesn't work as well. Yeah, you should probably oh, stick with the automaker. We're I not going to go about with, the bro trucks. Yeah, the bro, yeah, which is what we talked about in our previous uh, broadcast. Yeah. Uh, but dualies do make a lot of sense. But once again, additional drag. So if you drive it every day as a regular work truck that you're not necessarily working with, right? So just a car essentially is what you're doing. Uh, you're going to wonder, hmm, I don't fit through drive throughs very well. I don't park very well. I have a problem with just getting to work because gas mileage. Well, guess what? Dualies are not yeah. known to be small they're, or efficient. They're, they're super heavy. Yes. Super, super heavy. Like, for example, a diesel dually truck a crew cab could weigh 8,000 pounds or 8,500 pounds. Yeah. Not as much as a Hummer. but <laughs> Not as but much still, as our Hummer, but, but still but very heavy. A ridiculous amount of weight. And I'm not trying to put them down. I'm trying to convince those people out there who really don't need them that you might want to consider the half-ton trucks. But on the other side of it, look, if you need that type of capacity, you can't do much better than getting these heavy-duty trucks. Nowadays, they are built like vaults from all three automakers or truck makers, I should yeah. say. And I will say another rule of thumb, diesel versus gas for mm. towing, is um, think about long-distance diesel, shorter trips gas. So if mm -hmm. you, you want to go, let's say, oh, let's go to Maine next month and explore the East Coast from the West Coast, right? You, you're towing long distance. Uh, a diesel would work really well because yes. diesel on the highway towing a trailer, it kind of lop, lopes along. Low RPM, low, RPM, low heat. Uh, and it likes doing that. It's, it's fairly efficient doing mm -hmm. that, uh, better than the gas engine. So that's great. Uh, your investment will be uh, wisely spent. Yes. But if you're making small trips, you know, 20 miles here, 30 miles there, probably get a gas engine. You're going to save a lot of money uh, with the initial buy-in. And right now, at least here in Colorado, regular unleaded is a lot cheaper than diesel. So it, recouping that money and everything else, going the opposite direction can take some time. So for short distances, these new gas large displacement engines that are going in a variety of trucks now are proving to be pretty damn good. Well, there you have it. So... Um, the point of this broadcast podcast is don't make the same mistake I did mm -hmm. or that we do. Um, do as we say, not as we do. Often uh, do as we do, but every once in a while, don't do as we do. Yeah. <laughs> and and also, yeah, so hopefully this is helpful for you guys. Thank you for your support once again. Next week is Chicago Auto Show. Yes, which so, is a bit of a truck show, believe it or not. Yeah, so I'm hoping to bring some truck news from it. Um, and so stay tuned for that. So yes. we'll do another podcast, of course, next week. Uh, then Roman and I and um, Alex is going to join us um, at Chicago. And then, well, I can't wait for my little Colorado truck. I, 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 I hope I, I can get I it. I know, I know, I know. It's like Christmas though, without the Christmas. I know. There's it's like no... they extend the dates. Oh, it's not going to be December 25th. Now it's going to be January 30th or something. They just keep moving it. So let's let's all just kind of put our heads down and give positive energy to Andre. Okay, well, I really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. We'll, we'll see you on the next one. Take care, guys. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.